Hello, thank you for joining us on a new episode of Why Theory, and this is a special episode because Todd and I, Todd, how are you? I'm good, Ryan, how are you? I'm very, very good. We have a, uh, a special co-host for this episode, uh, Rick Boothby, who I'm going to let uh, you or Rick, uh, either one of you introduce him, or he, Rick, you can introduce yourself um, on the show. We're uh, going to be uh, pulling from Rick's considerable knowledge to talk about uh, a topic that, if you're listening to this episode, you'll already know what it is, uh, Das Ding. But Rick, how are you? Uh, well, I'm okay. Suffering from a little uh, leftover of a cold, so I sound a little bit like a frog, but uh, I'm okay, thank you. Glad we, to be here. We can fix that in post. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> It'll sound perfect afterward. <laughs> I do. Just a couple words about Rick. So he's the author of what I once said, and I, I contend this is still true, the best book that will ever be written on Lacan, Freud as Philosopher, which is a, far, a book actually sort of beyond Lacan, but... Just a phenomenal mm. book, and a soon-to-be-published best book ever written on psychoanalysis and religion, which is titled, Rick? God and the Unconscious. God and the Unconscious. Rethinking Religion. Rethinking Religion. Okay, so Fantastic. that'll be, look for that in the bookstore. That's a question. That's a question. That is a question, but sometimes it's a question. Okay. Well, which part of the question is whether there will be bookstores or whether there will even be bookstores? Oh, that's the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the apocalypse. Hopefully, there right. will be. hopefully that's what survives. The first thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, um, that's one thing. That's one thing. I wonder if um, I know that you don't like the road, but um, there's I there's a line in it or a couple about um, how libraries are destroyed, and the uh, the narrator says something about how uh, these held like a promise of future too is something like that. I thought it was like one of like a really nice, that's like really a nice great. bit of insight. Yeah. 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 Like a lot, like if you have a library, you're holding books. Like, I mean, there's the implicit thing that like, this will be worth something in the future. Like the, and, um, but it's just not, well, whatever, you know, well, it's not, you know, I not, think, not something anybody talks about. You know. Right. Right. Like, do you know the movie, the day after tomorrow, the, where the, it's a, it's oh a, yeah. It's a, a freeze. The world freezes. And yeah, they're yeah. in the New York public library and the guy, the woman to survive, couple women want to burn the books of Nietzsche mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the guy's like he guys like we're not burning Nietzsche to survive <laughs> and I yeah. think that's pretty great they, they end up burning tax tax records that's right. or something but, uh, but yeah he's, he, he, he says Nietzsche we can't burn that that's the future although it's ironic that Nietzsche's a philosopher of eternal return so he can't he shouldn't be the philosopher of the future either but I guess he mm. doesn't even call himself philosopher. Anyway, we're going quite far afield. We're quite far away from uh, already. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, th- this is great. We're here to talk. We're here to talk about dusting. We don't want to elevate our um, conversation about libraries to the uh, dignity of the thing. So we want um, Rick to, of course, to. Um, I think. I think it'd be best if um, Rick sets the the terms of, of our discussion, and then we can talk about um, some of the uh, like the radiating waves of uh, consequences, because this is a term that appears early in Lacan and is prevalent and then uh, leaves. And Rick is just the the person to talk to about this. Correct. So um, I'm going to turn this over to the uh, part of the conversation where I am not physically present and, uh, and we, we can hear we can hear about dusting. Yeah. Can we start with the definition, Rick? Well, the definition, I suppose, um, derives the best place to start is Freud's project for a scientific psychology where in just a couple of pages he introduces this very interesting concept. He says that the, the human infant divides the nabenmensch, the, basically the maternal other, 
into two uh, components, what he calls a perceptual complex. Part of it is what the infant can recognize as like itself, which immediately corresponds very suggestively with what Lacan calls the imaginary. And another uncognizable portion, a kind of unknown in the other, uh, which again immediately has a kind of Lacanian correlate in the, the desire of the other. And this uncognizable, unknown other portion of the Nebenmensch, Freud calls das Ding. So it starts from the very get-go as an, an enigmatic zone of unknowing, uh, which then Lacan quite naturally takes over into his own discourse, which is so centered on lack and manque à être, and so on and so forth. Okay, so so you want to you think that Das Ding lines up pretty directly with the desire of the other. Yes, I think so. I, I think exactly. That's what makes it such an electrifying um, appearance in Lacan's seventh seminar, uh, because it seems to line up so beautifully with so much of what he's been doing for a long time. Yeah. Um, centered on the question of human desire as the desire of the other, and the desire of the other so intimately linked to lack. But is But do you think... That's an interesting thing because I think Das Ding isn't usually equated with lack, right? Like that isn't, isn't, I mean, we'll get into this a little later, but isn't one of the distinctions between Abje Ah and Das Ding is that Das Ding is, is thought of as an excessive, almost an excessive presence and Abje Ah as the lacking object. Or would you, I don't know. You I, would, I would say that, that precisely what makes dusting so interesting is that it, it, it has a foot in both register of excess and lack as a, as a piece of the real, as a kind of uh, uh, very primitive instantiation of, of Lacan's sense of the real. It can both be, and, and maybe it has to be understood, both as uh, an overwhelming excess, a kind of suffocating presence, but also an absence and lack. That's precisely, it seems to me, its uh, character. Okay. Mm. Uh, Rick, does that, does that tie it? I wonder, uh, uh, tying it to the suffocating uh, presence, it reminds me of, of um, the anxiety seminar, which is probably the, um, the f up to that point, Lacan's fullest articulation of objet a rather than dusting. Um, but what he talks about in anxiety is, is like, what, like, well, one, anxiety is prior to anything. And that it is uh, like the I think the crocodile mother is something that, that like is an image that he he gives in that seminar. Right. So is that would you would you tie those things together or or, or um, like like dusting anxiety? I just find that interesting that like that's the seminar where Abjaya starts to take the four. But what what you're saying is it 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 conceptually is very very close to uh, to to dusting. And so like I, I think I think this is what. Todd and I are both interested in is is like what are the what are the edges of difference between object and, and dusting and like why maybe why does one term become privileged I, I don't want to say maybe it's it's wrong to say like leaves completely but um, anyway yeah so first part of the question about the tie to anxiety and then the second part of uh, like why why it starts to to leave or transform in Lacan's discourse um, well that's a that's the million dollar question in some ways the concept of dusting appears, of course, in the seventh seminar uh, mm -hmm. and, and really is confined 
to the first half even of that seminar. It tends to disappear, displaced by the discussions of Antigone in the second mm -hmm. part. Rick, can I interrupt you just for a second, just because I wanted to, before yeah. you get that, because I think that other issue is just a huge issue. So can you talk about the relationship between within that seminar between the discussion of dusting early on and then the discussion of ethics of desire with Antigone in the second part of it? Because... When yeah, people Todd, think that's of, great. When yeah. people think about Seminar 7, they think about don't give ground relevant to your desire, and that's the ethic of psychoanalysis. And the Das Ding aspect kind of gets thought of separately. And you even said just now there's these two sections of the seminar. So I wonder, do you see a relationship between the ethic of psychoanalysis and Das Ding? Uh, for the most part, I think most readers would be struck going through the seventh seminar with how completely the problematic of Das Ding seems to disappear in the mm -hmm. second part. It, the, I think the main way in which it, it continues to, and maybe the, the perfect word for it, it continues to haunt the mm -hmm. second half mm -hmm. is precisely in the, the whole problematic of sublimation and the splendor of, uh, of Antigone. That's one of the sessions so is called that. to emphasize. Right. Uh, and as uh, the links to sublimation, of course, is the link that in a sense replays, at least in my mind, replays the original division of the perceptual complex of the Nabenmensch that Freud remarks upon in the project. Namely that you have in sublimation uh, both the, the object in its uh, phenomenal presence, but you also have it haunted by something that doesn't appear. And maybe precisely uh, to the extent that the object continues to hold our fascination as a phenomenal presence, it continues to stimulate this other dimension, which you can't grasp, and which somehow becomes increasingly the really dominant thing. Uh, and Lacan, I think, has this in mind when he says that sublimation is a matter of the object raised to the dignity of the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Mm. Um, but I... St I guess I want to ex just ask the question again in another word. Like, so then does, does that mean that sublimation has some relationship to the ethic of desire? Because you're right, like that, that discussion of that section titled The Splendor of Antigone is right there in the heart of the development of the ethics of desire. And, 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 and sublimation is even closer to, to his discussion of the of don't give ground relative to your desire. But I still, I, I guess... I just maybe you could make clear for us the connective tissue between those two, or maybe there is no connective tissue. Well, I, I think that, that that this is a really vexed question because, um, as as you guys are are, are correctly noting, Dusting has an extremely odd place in Lacan's work as a whole. It it makes a kind of incandescent appearance, like a kind of meteor, you know, going through the sky in the first half of this seventh seminar, and then it almost completely disappears. Um, it has a few very, very crucial echoes. And I think the, the really, really key echo occurs to, um, uh, three years later in the 10th seminar on anxiety, which you're absolutely right, Ryan, is the real debut um, after having kind of been, been been gestating for some time, especially since the appearance of the Agalma problem mm -hmm. in the transference seminar, transference uh, in, 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 in seminar eight. Um, but what appears in, in, in 10 is the problematic of the objet A, 
But at a certain point, um, and for other reasons I'll explain maybe later, uh, Dusting makes a kind of reappearance, and it doesn't just make a casual reappearance. The whole problem of the seminar on anxiety is Lacan is contesting Freud's notion that anxiety, unlike fear, is, um, mm -hmm. is not directed to any object. It's objectless. Um, and Lacan wants to contest that by saying, well, actually, there is a kind of object to anxiety. And the primary object offered is objet A, of course. But at a certain point, Lacan comments in a single line. He says, anxiety does, after all, have an object. Perhaps, he says, the most profound object, the thing. So he mm. substitutes precisely the concept of dust ding, where otherwise the 10th seminar on anxiety frames uh, the whole problem around objet A. It's so there's the one, that's the one mention, there's only really one mention in yeah. seminar 10, correct? That's right. Yeah. To my memory, there's only one place where he says that. But as I say, it's, it, the sentence is, is very emphatic, mm -hmm. kind of oracular almost, you know, mm -hmm. the way Lacan mm -hmm. loves to, uh, to be. But I'm still not, I guess, I don't know, Ryan, maybe Wait, you Wait, Todd, can I? Yeah. Yeah, I want to, I guess, like, <coughs> I find this so, I just find it so fascinating, talk, uh, like, talking about it in, in context with, with Rick, because my, the way that I, and Todd, maybe this gets into to sort of your interest here, is that, like, the way that I always think about dusting is that, like, oh, it drops out of the seventh seminar, but what we're sort of getting to is, like, it drops out halfway through the seventh seminar and then reappears in the seminar where Lacan is establishing, like, a, basically, like, a new topology um, with, with a new key term. And then he, <coughs> uses, he brings the term back to, like... I don't know, almost as a as a as a straight substitution for what he has been saying about objet A. And so I like Well, I, I, I think I, that's I, a great yeah, go ahead, that's talk. a great point. I just wonder I'm not convinced that the the concept necessarily drops out of seminar seven. Like I I or I just wanna think through the relationship between Das Ding and ethics of desire. Like I feel like there's mm -hmm. there is something there. I think what if it? What if we formulate it in this way that that the ethics of desire is comporting oneself relative to das Ding without without either being subsumed by it or trying to distance oneself from it? Like and and, and would Antigone? I I have problems with Antigone as a model anyway, but that's sort of for another day. But I think maybe Lacan thinks Antigone is the figure who does that. You know, he talks about her as in the zone between two deaths. And mm -hmm. I wonder if that zone between two deaths is a, is a kind of relationship to Das Ding that he equates with ethics of desire. I wonder what both of you think about that. I mean, I, it's maybe mm -hmm. crazy because I've never thought really thought that through before, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of seminar seven <laughs> as a coherent seminar rather than a I mean, maybe you're right, what you just said, that it just, it goes along a certain path and then it kind of breaks off and then Dustin gets taken up again in, when he's trying to understand anxiety. Well, you know, Todd, like, and, and, and this, I think this is, is around your, or your point, I don't yeah. think it answers it, but like, I, I think, um, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, one of the most important things in I, I think this this is this is true of like modern technology and I think it's true of philosophy as well is that like one should never see the mechanism at work. So I'll give you an example. Like if you um I was just talking about this with Kara that like um if if I'm on uh Google and I'm like searching something about like whatever, a video game, and then I start typing in words that could have something to do with 
society at large or, or whatever. But then the um, the results that the first like uh, suggested search terms I get are for that video game. I'm like, OK, your algorithm is now in my face. Like I'm, I'm seeing your algorithm like work right. too obviously. It's not. It's 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 a little. It's disgusting. I don't want to do it. Right. And so I wonder if for, it's obscene. You think? Yeah, it's obscene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I want. So I wonder if for, <laughs> if for a philosopher, or for for uh for like Lacan in this in this uh, like something happens to him while he's doing seminar seven, and he comes like face to face with like. Dusting and like what it entails, like the like the logical conclusion, whatever it is, he starts to get that he didn't understand at the beginning of that seminar, and that's why it leaves because he has to think about it. Uh, Rick used the word gestate, and like you know, object ah comes out in uh, the anxiety seminar, but then we have again this reference to to, to seminar seven, uh, you know, in Dusting. So like, what if this is a this is a period, um, like we can connect like seven to ten or seven eight and ten, where we're coming very very close to just. Seeing the mechanism at work for Lacan, like where we're actually like reading him now, but like people then listening to him actually work through these like very big ideas. And so to try to sew it up, like as we're trying to do, like with any kind of consistency, maybe hurts the idea that this is the beginning of a very like fecund process for Lacan. And maybe that's the point. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I mean, it's an interesting idea, except I mean, I wonder if if. Um... You know, I before I met Rick, I have to say that I was totally dismissive of Das Ding. I thought it was kind of like along the lines, kind of what you're saying that it it was this it was this vanishing mediator on the way to Abjaya. Sure. And then yeah. now then I met Rick, and I thought, well, maybe what if it's the opposite? What if he's mm. like onto what is a crucial crucial thing, and then he himself. And maybe the even the ethics of desire you could think of in this way is a kind of retreat from the inside into dust. Like he comes up against dusting and like everyone, but in this mm. case it's conceptual. He he says, mm. "Wait a minute, it's too dramatic. I'm gonna I'm gonna de develop this other way of kind of keeping it more at arm's length, which is would be objet. So I think that's well, a, mm. at least a possibility. Yeah. Seems to me one way to think about this is. Um, I mean, we, we can't evade the, the fact that, that Lacan initially invests himself with enormous emphasis in this, in this concept. I mean, at one point he says, I can't quote it exactly, but he says something like, Das Ding is the, 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 the what does he call it, the center of gravity of the unconscious Vorstellungen, the, the unconscious representations, as if the entire swirl of unconscious uh, interconnections uh, rotates around the black hole of dusting, and mm. um, he also links it there in the first half of the seventh seminar with the uh, most primordial uh, uh, structuration of the signifier and the subject's relation to it. So he gives us all the indications that he means for us to read this concept in an absolutely elemental way at the kind of core of his whole construction of the unconscious. Um, then he abandons it. So we've got this, this, mm -hmm. or at least he appears almost entirely to abandon it. And, and I think it is absolutely correct, as far as I can read it, that its place is taken in his discourse by the objet. The question then is, okay, well, 
what just happened? Why did he invest so much and then apparently retract that investment? And I think one answer to that, um, acknowledging that we don't, and I think probably can't have a very good answer to this, but, but, but one answer that makes sense to me is to say that Lacan is everywhere interested in um, triangulating or even um, creating kind of a quadratic structure to understand the nature uh, of the subject. And he's always um, uh, resisting any kind of dyadic um, relation of ego and other. And in a sense, the, the whole problem of Das Ding does present a triadic structure. The subject mm -hmm. relating to the Nebenmensch, to the other, in which the other then splits weirdly into two dimensions. So suddenly a triangle appears where there appeared a, a moment ago to be a dyad. Um, and the imaginary dyad sort of opening up toward this, this uh, uncanny zone of something unknown and uncognizable. But I suspect that he may have um, backed away from the language of Das Ding, precisely because it, though you could see it opening up the dyadic, uh, the triadic rather, uh, over, the, over the dyadic, it nevertheless has a kind of tendency both to, to draw us back into thinking about a kind of bipolar relation of subject and other, which he definitely wants to resist. And the object ah disallows us that dyadic temptation, you might say, much more effectively. So in general, I sent, get the, have, that would be my answer mm -hmm. to why he, he ultimately backs off from it. But, but mm -hmm. what it seems to me we absolutely can't miss... Can, before you go on, can is, I just ask you a yeah. question? Could, do you think... Could it be feminist, his reason for backing off? That is, I think you see where I'm going, right? Like that, that, das, Ding, <coughs> that das Ding gets too, like just exactly for the reason you just said, like it has this dyadic temptation to it. And so Das Ding gets associated with the mother and he wants to, he, I mean, much of his effort in psychoanalysis is to move away from this emphasis on the mother, like the even the breast and the whole mother-child relation. So, do you think that's a possibility? Well, he very clear when he does bring it up in the seventh seminar, he very clearly um, links it with Melanie Klein's sense of the infant's relationship to the mother's body yeah. as as harboring a, a kind of uncanny and anxiety-producing excess. Um, so, um, yeah, this is definitely about the maternal relation, and yes, I do think that. Um, there is a connection here to, to a whole problematic that, that feminists have, have raised. And maybe the classic, the locus classicus of this, I, I would say, is, is, is de Beauvoir, uh, where in a brief passage, and right in the middle of the second sex, de Beauvoir suggests that uh, the Freudian Oedipus complex, though it needs to be sort of uh, tampered with, as it were, to make it again relevant in a meaningful way, nevertheless, she says, the relationship of the infant to the mother is fraught with all kinds of conflict. And what she wants to sort of amend in Freud's conception is that the, the child doesn't require the father's uh, prohibition or threat in order to part the infant from the mother, but the infant breaks off from the mother um, in and for itself, in order to become an autonomous being, to separate from the maternal body and its 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 complex of emotional and physical gratifications and so on, and uh, it seems to me that that that, that one can 
very suggestively draw the Lacanian notion of the paternal metaphor into uh, into the relation with this de Beauvoirian scenario, namely that 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 Lacan also in the seventh in the tenth seminar in particular talks about the infant giving up the breast, the it, 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 positively uh, separating itself from it in ways that very much recall de Beauvoir. The problem, however, is not so much the child's um, own desire, but the problem is the threatening and anxiety-producing character of the unknown of the mother's desire. So in that, we don't find so much in, in de Beauvoir. Um, but that's the central thing in Lacan. And I think w one of the things that, that really can't be stressed enough and it didn't initially strike me when I first got interested in this problem um, in Freud as philosopher and wrote a good deal about the problem of dusting there. It, I didn't really appreciate how, when it does reappear, however briefly, in the tenth seminar, it really becomes the linchpin, I think, of Lacan's conception of the Oedipus, and therefore of the whole insertion of the subject into this symbolic function. Um, and everything there has to do with the position the child draws up in relationship to this dimension of the mother, which somehow registers, but is uncognizable and is fundamentally there the, the the source of anxiety. Yeah, Ryan, do you want to you want to say something? Um, no, no. I think I mean that was that was great. I mean, okay. I was wrapped up in, in listening to it. Um, okay. I I just I wonder like moving forward if like Todd if what you have been trying to get at is um that what is actually left behind is ethics and like in that like like the like so we're like we're focusing on uh das Ding, um but like the i mean it is the maybe it's the ethical part of that like that seminar it seems like it seems like i don't know like like why why, why are the two halves not um uh, why, why can they not be thought of at the at the same time? I don't necessarily want to leave. Maybe that if terrain. I can interject a little bit sure. about this thing yeah. about ethics. I mean, I think that that Todd, your question about how does how does the first half of seminar seven, the seminar on the ethics, which is devoted to Dusting, how does it relate to the second half where he then really does kind of codify his approach that one cannot give way when when gonna. Uh, seed one's on, on one's desire. <coughs> um, it seems to me that, that you know he does leave us in the lurch. We're left wondering what, what what would be this connection. But I think that if you take this problem of dusting seriously, and particularly when you're encouraged, I just want to go back for two seconds to yeah. the question of the paternal metaphor. I mean, the paternal metaphor, which appears well before seminar seven in Lacan's work, is uh, is 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 he says the substitution of the name of the father for the desire of the mother. And, but he, he doesn't give us any clue about what motivates that substitution exactly. And by the time we get to the 10th seminar and he's positioned the problematic of Das Ding, which I'm here, yes, I'm linking in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a complicated way with the problem of objet A, there he gives us now an answer to what is problematic in the desire of the mother. It's precisely its unknown character. It's precisely that it is an anxiety-producing void that the infant cannot negotiate, um, that the break occurs, where the child, you might say, shifts its investment 
from the maternal body to the signifier. And um, if we then take that really seriously, I think what we get, and this, this is in a sense, you might say, the 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 book uh, the Lacanian book that hasn't been written. I mean, to really make this clear, would be to shed a light in this. I I what I would say is the kind of inner core of, of of Lacan's theory, going back to the paternal metaphor and up through the theory of anxiety and the relationship of the subject to the signifier, etc. What you get is deeply relevant to ethics. That is to say you get the relationship of the subject to the fellow human being as tensed, first of all, with anxiety, with positioning oneself in relationship to what I cannot grasp in the other and what remains an enigma and a threatening enigma in the other. But also one gets this, this realization that Lacan wants to say somehow that the human subject has always already, in some sense, cut itself off defensively from the fellow human being. Right, but then I think this idea of Antigone between two deaths is a way of reassuming that position. I think it has to be that, doesn't it? It has to be like reassuming that position in relationship <coughs> to Das Ding, right? Like yes, the, I totally agree with yeah, that. So that so I, I do I, agree with that. Though we have to construct that now. Uh, out of out of whole cloth almost, but yes, right, I agree with, right. I so agree. there is. I think you're right. There is the cutoff from it, but then ethics would mean something like finding a relationship to it, and that would that's that's why, and that requires. It's interesting, right, Ryan? Because it requires like his his notion of symbolic death appears. I think first here in seminar seven, and and that idea that you're 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 symbolically dead, but you're not actually dead. That that's the way that you relate, you gain a new relationship to Das Ding. And that's, yeah. I think, it's interesting because Slavoj doesn't talk about Das Ding almost <coughs> very rarely. I mean, he talks somewhat, but very rarely. And yet he talks about symbolic death all the time. And so I think that as, the, as an ethical position, and what's ethical about it, I think, if you can sort of tease out what Lacan is getting at in Seminar 7, is that it, it reassumes a relationship to to Das Ding and also to the neighbor. And I think it's not an accident that the love thy neighbor as thyself is a title of one of the sections within seminar seven. So I think there's a, that, that he's working his way back to the, the Christian ethic of Jewish ethic as well of, of love your neighbor. And I think that's something that gets that it, but it's originally impossible because of this barrier of the paternal laws Rick described, but then, but the symbolic death then puts you back in that position. Well, it's interesting, you know, um, Zizek does devote, um, I think in lots of places he, he, he attends to this problem of dusting. One of the more striking is his contribution uh, to the three essay volume that he did with Eric Santner and, and Kenneth Reinhardt, uh, devoted to the neighbor, uh, Zizek's title is something like Neighbor, The Neighbor and Other Monsters, as I remember it. But there he's very directly addressing the question of ethics, contrasting the Lacanian position with the Levinasian one, where it's precisely the, 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 the thingly dimension of the other, which is both the anxiety and also the anxiety-producing dimension and the abyssal dimension of the other that's at stake. That what I see in the face of the other is is uh, for uh, for Zizek uh, speaking here for Lacan, 
is ultimately something um, p deeply unnerving and deeply uh, uh, alien and abyssal. And the whole problematic of my ethical duty toward the other has to very seriously be centered in some way on this challenge. Yeah. I don't know, Ryan, how do you see that? How do you see that ethical relationship? How, yeah. Well, I, I, there's, a, there's a primary move that I've been hearing in what Rick has been saying, and I think also in what you've been saying, which is the, um, the role of refusal. And I like, I like sort of what, um, what I was hearing from, from Rick about like the, uh, so in Lacan that there, there is this, uh, there's this refusal of the, of the maternal for the, for the signifier, um, in becoming a subject. And it remind like I, something just struck, uh, like something hit for me like that. Um, this is, this is maybe where, uh, planet of the apes is, uh, one of the great theorists of psychoanalysis because that's Caesar says no is when he becomes a subject in right, the old right, pl right. Plan, plan of the Apes kind in of the old movie. one, and right? So, right? And in the old one, yeah, yeah, C yeah, Caesar, yeah, Caesar says no, and like, um, yeah, and I, I so that I think is, um, that's what I've been trying to puzzle out as, as you've been talking, which is like where, like where does where, that like no, where, where, where refusal does, comes in? Yeah, yeah where refusal? Yeah, that is really crucial. And in the tenth seminar, it took me <clears throat> multiple readings of the. 10th seminar to, to, to finally really get this but it's it's there staring you in the face he, he says at some point that the part objects that Freud was so fascinated with the breast the feces and the phallus to which Lacan famously adds the the voice the gaze and the phoneme the part mm -hmm. objects which are the, of course the original uh, a sort of avatars of the objet a the original instantiations of the objet a um, he says they need to be understood as what he calls objets sensibles, the acceptable objects or the relinquishable objects, the objects that can be refused, uh, the objects that can be given over, the objects that become, you might say, tokens of exchange which, uh, between the subject and the other, which the first function of which is precisely as you're saying, Ryan, to uh, affect a kind of refusal, a kind of drawing up of uh, uh, drawing off to distance you might say introducing a separation so um, the breast Lacan really emphasizes uh, the child first understands it to be part of itself and it, it seeds it to the mother and he mm. there uh, directly compares it to and I think extremely significantly to the religious gesture of sacrifice but he also suggests that it, it's it's like the the lizard that 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 gives up its tail uh, when the predator uh, gets a claw on it and it breaks hmm. free, so the lizard can actually escape in some sense. So, so what you've got here is is a kind of primordial separation from the other, in which the subject, in a in a very 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 primitive, you might say, the most primitive possible defensive gesture founds its own independence, its own, its own limited autonomy, by putting at a distance this question that it has discovered to its, uh, uh, to its distress in the other. Hmm. That's really interesting. And that, like, so that, so, but there, there are two kinds of refusal, right, in ethics, because there's also the, like, ref, like, you, we could put it this way, refusing to give ground relative to the other, right? So like, that seems uh, to be, 
to, to occupy two different uh, positions in this like kind of ethical terrain. Like there's, there's this, uh, there's a defensive posture. And then I think that there's this more like, I don't know, I, I don't want to say offensive, but like it, it is, uh, active, uh, in. No, I, th- does that make sense, Todd? Yeah, Ryan, I think it's a crucial point. Like there's a double, there's two refusals, right? So first, yeah. There's the refusal that Rick describes, which then is mm-hmm. is kind of the <coughs> that's the paternal that's the that's that's the that's the acceptance of signification in a sense, certain sense, right? Acceptance of the law mm-hmm. is the refusal of the of the over proximity of the of the other, and then but then there's this the second refusal, which is the refusal of the law. It's like the refusal to yeah. invest oneself in the paternal law itself, which is what Lacan sees in Antigone, right? Like that, which then Re becomes a way of reapproaching dusting. Yes, absolutely. after the distancing, and I think that's mm. the crucial mm. thing. I mean, I think that's absolutely. the absolutely. So it's it has to, and I think there's a way to read that as in seminar eleven, the way Lacan discusses alienation and separation. So you could say mm-hmm. like that the first step is the alienation into language, as that mm-hmm. would be the first refusal, and the, then the second refusal would be this mm-hmm. separation of separation from one's investment in the paternal law because this recognizing this recognition that the other doesn't exist which is which then it creates this renewed confrontation with dusting yeah yeah you can link up here it's really quite lovely um, the the reference of that Lacan liked so much to the, the Greek word for law as nomos which Heidegger had already pointed out really is derived from the Greek word for the wall, the wall Hmm. of the law, the wall that separates me from the other, the wall that structures my existence and sets up the limit. But of course, exactly correct. Once you get this limiting, refusing, separating, alienating moment, the other moment is, uh, which is absolutely crucial to his whole conception of dusting, is its enduring attraction, its allure. Uh, it, it draws us. Uh, it fascinates us. We we can't resist what are, exactly what it is that we've walled ourselves off from, and mm-hmm. it's that point that um, allows us to link um, the whole problematic of dusting, as Lacan himself invites us to do, with the death drive. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not an accident. You know, this is a rather um, ham-fisted way to take it up, and yet it's a very profound point. I think that. Antigone, it's not an accident that she embraces her brother's corpse. That it's the, mm-hmm. the, the, it's, it's, it's this, this, the wastrel of, of what's left of Polynices that she's going to kind of uh, love, in a sense, here. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, and I feel like that the, the, the idea that... I mean, it's, it's interesting to me that Lacan himself doesn't provide the connective tissue that we just kind of worked out between... <laughs> dusting in the ethical <laughs> position. And then I also, I mean, I think it's worth discussing, you know, why, uh, why it drops out. And I wonder, I mean, we sort of started to talk about this earlier, but I think it's worth, you know, the, so Rick mentioned a, a couple of times the mention, the, the discussion of, of the brief discussion of dusting in seminar 10. There's another really brief mention in seminar 16. And then that's, that's basically it. So there's no, and I mean, fat, most fascinatingly, seminar eleven, which is the four fundamental concepts of psychoanalysis, dusting doesn't get to be a fundamental concept of psychoanalysis. And uh, I wonder if, and I I, I want to sort of first understand why that is, and then maybe 
make a judgment on that. Like, did was it an error on Lacan's part? So, can we say that 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 he really made a fundamental misstep? I mean, maybe. And and he kind of and, and and I think it's often true that thinkers have an insight and then retreat from their own insight. I mean, I think Heidegger might be the great example of this, and maybe that's what happened here. Or is there a way in which there was a kind of necessary development from object from dusting? That was a funny slip from dusting <laughs> to objet a, and and it was a necessary development for his thought to really go in the direction that it that it went. I mean, maybe that's self-evident. So I, I don't know. So I think, first of all, why did the shift happen? And I think it's worth unpacking that. And then maybe we could evaluate why, what uh, the shift itself and say like, no, I mean, it's the Lacan of Seminar 7 we want to insist on, which is, I think, what a lot of people insist on. A lot of people say, I heard, I heard Elizabeth Rudinesco interviewed on a, a French, uh, France Culture podcast, and she's like, don't give ground relevant to your desire is the essence of Lacan's thought. And I'm like, wow, that's funny. That's only said in seminar seven and then said nowhere else. So I don't know. So that's a, that's a big question for the two of you. So I'll, I'll leave it at Was that. that. Is that a third refusal like of Lacan to use any of those terms again? Maybe like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not, not trying to be funny no. uh, about it, but like, that's, it's sort of interesting that fits in. Um, yeah, I, I think, well, Todd, you and I were talking about um, I, yesterday or the day before uh, in, in preparation for this, is that, like, I to, to me, and I, I w- w- want to hear um, Rick uh, on this, um, the movement from uh, Dusting to Abjaga is, like, is a, a, a movement toward a more um, a, a amorphous notion of object than, like, I, I think Dusting seems to designate more clearly, uh, 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 like, like where, like where a, uh, where, where an object is or, or where it would come from than, um, object odd does, which I think is like, so I think object odd is a little more, uh, malleable and I think it's a, it's a little less, uh, determinative and I think it's, it's maybe, uh, taken out, um, a, a little bit from the, um, like Todd, as you were saying earlier, like it's taken out a little bit from the, um, like the mother, uh, and, and the father and the, that, that sort of the primary. mommy, daddy, me, like it gets us yeah. out of that. So it gets yeah. us out of the <coughs> Deleuze and Guattari critique of psychoanalysis. Maybe. I mean, yeah. but also yeah. I was just thinking what you said, like it would, we would, if he would have stuck with Dostin, people that are, that, that are fine Lacan useful would have a lot less explaining to do when we, when we, when we're trying to talk about, because Das, because Abjay, it always takes a, it seems so jargony, and Das Ding is less jargon. I mean, Lacan We've is a jargon. Doing an episode on Abjay, I think maybe for that reason, right? But yeah, I, I, yeah. I think, um, I don't feel um, fully satisfied with my own views about this. I mean, it does seem to me that that this is just a very enigmatic point in. In, in Lacan, and we're left really uh, to, to struggle with trying making sense of this. But I earlier talked about one possible dimension of his backing away from Dusting being his wanting to avoid any relapse into a kind of binarism of subject and other. But I think another way to look at it is that um, I think he, he also was may have been very leery of, of, of the, the very the straightforward 
offering a, a sort of straightforward locus of, of lack and, and void and, and negation. Um, I, I, I suspect he may have, have been leery of the Kantian resonance of, of Das Ding, as, as, in, as in maybe people mistaking him for talking about the Kantian Ding an sich, the, the, the noumenal, unthinkable core of things uh, that we cannot apprehend and, and understand. Um, mm -hmm. And the objet the, the, the A both gave him more capacity for, for constantly uh, turning ourselves toward the way in which our, our subjectivity and our relationship to the other is triangulated and, and even, as I was saying earlier, uh, uh, structured in even a quadratic uh, complicated matrix. But also, uh, um, I'm thinking that the um, the object eyes is it gives us a kind of token a, 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 a it is it is a, a, a scrap it, something appears the stain appears you know there's something there it it prevents us from being becoming you might say fascinated by a sort of Buddhistic void where we we might start to go down the wrong road I think um, in seminar seven it's interesting Lacan takes a, a sort of bow in the direction of Heidegger's um, comments about the, the ancient uh, temple, the pagan temple, and, and says, well, yes, the temple was a kind, of, uh, a kind of structuring of the empty space. The temple really is the housing of Das Ding. Also the vase, right? And yes, the vase, of course. He's yeah. very fascinated with Heidegger's discussion of, of, of the, the vase uh, in, his, in his essay, Das Ding. Uh, and that the, the, the face the, the, the vase which is the the earthen the, the clay wrapped around the void which allows the void to come forth and I, I think Lacan is both fascinated by this recognizes it as absolutely central but I think he's also leery of us you might say becoming completely fascinated and lost in the void so it's a, so his turn away from Das Ding is an anti-Buddhist turn you you're that's kind of what you're claiming anti-Heideggerian and anti-Buddhist I don't want to go too far with that because yeah. I think Lacan also had enormous respect for uh, certain elements of Buddhism. I mean, I, I think, for instance, of the, the discussions in the Tenth Seminar, which are so sublime, of the lowered eyelids of the Buddha statue yeah. and, yeah. and, and the mm -hmm. question of the gaze of the Buddha and so on. But I, 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 so I don't want to go too far with that. Um, but Buddhism is basically about being sw allowing oneself to be swallowed up into the nothing. But right? I think he is very leery of that. Yeah. And I think he thinks that, yeah. that, 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 that a Buddhistic, uh, an over-enthusiastic uh, uh, flirtation with the void, I think he thinks that's contrary to the whole spirit and flow of the psychoanalytic experience, mm -hmm. which is always dealing with the specific detritus of our symptomatic life, yep. you know, our dream images, hmm. our fantasies, our, it's always materialized in some way. And okay. this is why I think ultimately he prefers the objet A I, to yeah, the language But of also the now I want to say like, what you're making, so what he's, what you just said is, <coughs> he's insisting on the fact that the subject is a desiring subject. And that, that the, you can never... Like the void can never allow you to overcome the fact that you're a desiring subject, and that, and that, in some sense, that's the whole import of psychoanalysis. So then, 
it actually, what you said made me think, those two sections of the seminar, the beginning and the end, are really at odds with each other. Like, mm-hmm. in some sense, you could say, the, like, he, he develops the idea of Das Ding, and then the second section of the seminar on the ethics of psycho, on the, on the ethical position that Antigone represents, is, a, is almost a, is a kind of itself a retreat from the, the possibility. So just exactly opposite yeah. of the way I read it before, that rather than appro- approaching Das Ding, the ethics of desire is a way of saying we're that we we cannot approach it like we cannot go that far we can't because that's a that's a seduction because we can't abandon the fact that we're desiring subjects. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah. Well, and of course, in the end, um, uh, when we have the the horrifying image of Antigone walled up in the tomb buried buried alive yeah. i mean you could you could imagine this also as a as as antigone uh who now ha- resides in the very void of dustin yeah. i mean she's yeah. been taken into the void herself and, and or voluntarily um thrown herself yeah. into that void yeah so that's another um, possibility right? yeah mm-hmm. i have a potentially uh Reductive and but also potential, uh, potentially uh, illuminating uh, comment or question. I want I, I have for for. Okay, we will here. judge it immediately and tell you whether it's reductive or illuminating. That's uh, <laughs> that's great. That's that's what I want. Like you know, who who wants to turn in a paper and then wait for the the you want the you judgment. You want the grade right away, right? F- right, a, right there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So, um, is. The movement from dusting to objet uh, symptomatic, I use the term advisedly, of uh, Lacan's socializing of psychoanalysis. Um, like, is does does das Ding seem like das Ding to me seems very uh, that seems very personal uh, and that or, or I should say like that's that is quite quite subjective. And um, when we go to objet ob like we are involving the wider world like uh, quite con- concretely and uh necessarily in that concept so is this movement from like um like and this is a uh todd this is an idea i'm uh, stealing from a friend of yours is this like part of the like lacan's wider uh project to socialize uh, psychoanalysis or like like what do what, what do we see here I kind of is that reductive I, is that a dumb idea no yeah. i don't think it's dumb at all i think <laughs> it's illuminating so a a plus Plus, Thank right. you. All right, that's, that's right. <laughs> uh, but I think that, that we we shouldn't also. I mean, um, I, I'm in what I was previously saying. I was a little bit opposing Das Ding as 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 kind of pure void from objet A, which 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 kind of, especially in the part objects with which Lacan first kind of adumbrates his notion of dust of of, of objet A. You know, the breast and the feces and the and so on and so forth. Uh, the, t- the temptation there is to sort of oppose, you know, pure negativity to, to some kind of positivity, as if we're, we're sort of revisiting the Sartrean for itself and, and, and the in itself. But it seems to me that, that we shouldn't lose sight of the proximity also of objet A as a concept in Lacan's work from Dusting. That is to say... The object A ah, is 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 in a sense itself the, a kind of um, haunting of an object. It's 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 precisely what escapes in the object. It's the it's the glint which is is. Uh, I mean, I think of, of, of for a moment, for instance, of the famous case of Freud's fetishist who 
who who fetishizes this the the shine on the nose the glance of the nose um, um, uh, this shine, this in this this kind of unthinkable glint of light on the nose that uh, he's fascinated with, is a kind of objet. And what makes it function as objet is precisely what is ungraspable about it. What is uh, the zone of something unknown? It's right. precisely the ground of dusting. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, Rick. I think that's really good. That there's a way and there's a certain continuity. Absolutely. Between I I mean, dusting and objet, I think that's right. But I, I, so. I, th I think Ryan, your question though comes back. <coughs> it comes back to what Rick said about the way in which dusting lends itself to the dyadic mm -hmm. way of interpreting, and then objet opens up into the into the sort of quadratic. And then, of course, in seminar seventeen, he gives puts the, there are four positions, and objet is one of the so master signifier knowledge s one s two objet surplus jouissance, and then divided subject. So there, there really are these four positions of which objet <coughs> is, is is one. So I think you're mm -hmm. right. I think you're really right to say, you know, everything in his. And I think I I know people that don't like Lacan for this. That what he does is he socializes the family. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the psychoanalysis is born as a, as an analysis of the family dynamic, and Lacan is much more interested in the social aspect of it. And I think the turn from Dusting to Abjaya, even if there's continuity, is about that process of bringing it into the social order because it's I think it's much harder to say I mean of course I think the white whale in Moby Dick is a nice example of Das Ding but it also functions as an object and I think there it's much easier to think about if you're looking about about societal processes it's much easier to identify object at work than Dust, the, the presence well, of dusting, Todd, or yeah. Todd, would you would you say like I, I want to use Moby Dick like specifically? Would you say that for Ahab, um, the 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 white whale, Moby Dick is is dusting, but for the rest of the members of the Pequod, it's Abjaya. That's a great. That's a fascinating reading. I don't know. Rick Rick that's has a lot of ideas on that. That's very interesting. Um, a friend of ours reads. Uh, Moby Dick as the master signifier, which I think is completely. I, I really like this guy. I think he's very smart, but I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right. I think, but I think you're right. For although, I, I would say, insofar as what Ahab is seeking, is to penetrate somehow the abyssal, you know, uh, ground of existence. You know, he, his question, in a sense, is uh, the the way the whale stands for precisely what. This sort of dark, uh, almost Schellingian, you know, uh, ground of being. Yeah. Uh, it's the perfect instantiation of dusting. Yeah, but I like um, what Ryan said about the mm -hmm. fact that, that for the other crew members, however, it's precisely this ab this absent object that they can never that like we're we're on this this quest for this thing that can yes, never be right. obtained. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a it'd be a great Ryan. There's your yes. why are why are you writing your dissertation on seriality? It's time to write it. Uh, yeah, on I know. Dick. What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> no, it should be that, and and it should be about uh, dusting and objet being the the, tri the the movement from one to the other being uh, the concretizing Lacan's socializing of psychoanalysis. Yeah, there you that go. That should be what I'm writing. Yeah, then you'll. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people would be really eager to hire you to teach. Uh, 
<laughs> nothing. Okay. I can't uh, anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have enough time for oh, me to add one last yeah, yeah, yeah. note? Um, I mean, I, I uh, can't resist adding this, this note that's relevant to the book I've been working on for the last few years about psychoanalysis and religion. Um, from the get-go, it seems to me, Lacan is, is fascinated with this the linkage between this problematic of dusting and something about the sacred, something about the religious. We already talked about it, the link in terms of uh, the seedable object, which he, which he links to the, the object of sacrifice. But he also plays with the, and we also talked about the way in which the, the temple in this kind of quasi-Heideggerian reading houses the emptiness, uh, houses, in a sense, dust ding. But um, he also um, links it, he says in the seventh seminar that, that dust ding is uh, connected to um, the whole tradition of mysticism and, uh, and the sacred. And I'm, I guess what I've done in this book I've been working on is to sort of make the wager of, of taking this all the way, as it were, to explain <laughs> Lacan's extremely enigmatic, even alarming uh, statement in the famous Italian interview in 1974, where he says that there really is one true religion, and that's the Catholic religion. Uh, the Roman religion, I believe he calls it. Mm. Uh, but he, so he have, have effectively says, very strangely, there really is one true religion. That's Christianity. And uh, I wonder, at least I pose the question in this book I've been working on, whether or not we should interpret that as there's only one religion in which the divine, the great enigma, the great abyssal, at times anxiety-producing, at times ecstatic, unknown of the divine, is directly located in the fellow human being. Yeah. And yeah. the one religion that calls upon us to embrace not simply the neighbor with love, but the enemy. Right. I mean, that's isn't it interesting, Rick? That I that's... wonder if that's not... What he had in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that's the the modification of Christ to Judaism, right? Like that, it's mm -hmm. not just it's no longer just the commandment love your neighbor, <coughs> but yes. love your enemy. And I also think it's interesting because for Judaism, love your neighbor is a commandment from this absent God to you. But when when Christ says love your neighbor, wouldn't you say that it's he's saying. When he says the commandments are the same, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and love your neighbor, what he means is God is actually in your yeah. neighbor. And I don't think that's the idea from Judaism at all. So I think there is a, I mean, there is a, I think there's a whole argument about the continuity versus the break, but there I think there's a pretty fundamental break. And that's a way in which this, that dust, I think that dust, I mean, what, it just seems so central. And I think you pointed to Slavoj Eric and Ken's book, The Neighbor, which is, I think, really good on this question. About, Very good. It's a key it's a, text. It's a great text um, about this, this relation. Like, that's how, and, and I think that, in the end, is the most important ethical, uh, you know, consequence of the concept of Das Ding. I mean, I, it's fascinating to me that he doesn't, Lacan doesn't really develop that, that consequence in seminar seven but i want to say that's the real that's the real consequence of the concept of das ding is that you you're you have to love that that thing that is 
that would destroy you, that, yes, like exactly. your enemy. And I think exactly. that's a, which is the Christian commandment, but I think it's also in some way the ethic of psychoanalysis. Right, exactly. And, and you're right, Lacan does not explicitly and certainly not comprehensively develop this. I mean, he, he, he leaves a few tiny little crumbs around that we're uh, tantalized by. But it, it is an invitation, it seems to me, to reinterpret his very enigmatic statements about Christianity in this way. But also, we can add, it makes new sense of crucifixion as the central uh, image of the Christian religion, not in the Pauline interpretation as the necessary sacrifice to achieve one's otherworldly salvation, but rather the price to be paid for truly embracing what is unknown in the other, which means, of course, embracing what is unknown in oneself. So crucifixion here is transformed into precisely the kind of experience one goes through, giving oneself over to psychoanalytic uh, the, the whole process of, the, of psychoanalysis, that one is, in a sense, torn apart. Because one I is, think... lives this death. Right, because the das Ding of the neighbor is also one's own alien relationship to oneself. And I think that's what is, is, is so crucial in every... You know, I think it's so... <coughs> it's so crucial in political uh, arena... I think more more explicitly than anywhere else, like the the relationship between to the immigrant is like this fear of the 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 enemy slash neighbor approaching. But the the failure is the failure to recognize that 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 the dingness of that approaching neighbor is also my own alienness from my myself. And I think that's the I mean that that is the real ethical challenge. I think both of psychoanalysis and of Christianity. Yeah, and this is the way. It seems to me, and again, we are always dealing with this, Lacan did not leave us a, a fully uh, explicit set of instructions and guides here. But I think this is the point where we can come back to not seeding on one's desire. The, 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 the temptation, of course, is to read desire in too uh, mundane a way. What we have to do is read desire with its sufficiently abyssal character. So not to seed on one's desire means, yes, precisely, giving oneself over to that which is abyssal in oneself. If the, if the, the thing in the other is anxiety-producing, it's only ultimately because it evokes what is abyssal in the subject's own real. Right, right. Ryan, I want to ask you, so you, you make a yeah. lot of the connection between Seminar 7 and Seminar 20, so mm -hmm. you know yeah. seminar twenty as a kind of <coughs> seminar twenty as a kind of sequel. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Lacan himself yeah. sa says that in a he sense. Says it, yeah. yeah, and you, th I think you think that that is really important. And I wonder if you want to make that draw that connection out ethically. Like, is there a is there yeah. something in seminar twenty that picks up on what Rick was just what we were just talking about about the the this this form of an ethic of psychoanalysis that that maybe you can figure the ethics of desire into it but it, it's a it has to be kind of understood through the idea of the 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 dusting and the neighbor and the and the love thy neighbor or love thy enemy yeah no that's that is uh no that's really fascinating i for for me the the key 
part of Seminar 20 is, I, I mean, this is obviously what I'm drawn to, is uh, Lacan's reference that uh, the 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 serious or the is the is the serial or the serious is the like the the, the serial the serial real and yeah. what he's talking about is um and this is in the second this is a two um Jakobson section and what what he's talking about is like a almost like a meta way of reading his entire uh philosophy which is to to suggest that what emerges in signification uh is is the real and is uh, in some ways the the unconscious, or we could say is the abyssal character, um, to, to tie it to what Rick has been saying. That that this is uh, absolutely crucial to his entire uh, corpus. So and yeah, I think ahead. yeah, go ahead. No, 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 ahead, no, no, ahead. no, no. I need you to because there's a guy on my porch, so I need you to. <laughs> I need to figure out what's happening, and I need you to talk. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. I guess I I think that's really interesting that the that he's that there's some way in which he's sustaining the abyssal the, this contact with the abyssal uh, part of the other even through seminar twenty. And I I guess also I was thinking that. That his distinction- which is pri- like primarily language, like right, like right. that's like the big the big thing, and and this is what we've been talking about too, like the movement from dusting to objectod, like socializing psychoanalysis, like moving from like you know like and putting like language front and center. But uh, yeah, anyway, right, please right, continue. but 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 language yeah. is both this. I think Rick is really good on this. That but language is both the thing that protects us from the abyssal other and the thing that provides us access to it right exactly. so i think mm-hmm. that's the crucial mm-hmm. there's this double dimension of language which i think is absolutely crucial but i also think seminar 20 is a nice sequel in the sense that feminine the way he describes feminine sexuality is at, is like the way he like it's a kind of openness to das ding in the way that masculine sexuality rick has said we were talking yesterday mm-hmm. and he said it's the it's the cordoning off of Das Ding. It's like Das Ding is just going to be the exception, whereas feminine sexuality is for him, it's the, it's, he calls it the not all. So it's you're constantly right. in touch with, you're, you can never have this total separation, but you're, it's an ethic, maybe an ethic, of being constantly in touch with the Ding dimension of the other. And I think that's, I think that's what Rick was saying before as a kind of, that's the real ethic of psychoanalysis, which is, of course, the ethic of Christianity as well. I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with um, what you both are saying about um, how all these problematics come come together in another real crystallization in the 20th seminar. And uh, though I haven't uh, worked it out yet, I, I would like to, to write the account of, 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 that inserts Das Ding, the whole problematic of Das Ding, into the formulae of sexuation. To say that, in effect, what we really have here are two, two po- possible posturings of the subject with, in relationship to Das Ding, one of which is the, the, the feminine uh, relationship. I gotta deal with this guy on my porch, all. so I need you to keep talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the feminine, you know, logic of the non-all, the patu, uh, as opposed to the masculine logic of the exception, which, as it were, you might say, kind of corrals the problematic of dusting, the anxiety-producing potential of this abyssal uh, thing into uh, the particular exception, as if it's kind of sort of trying to... Um, 
pen the thing up in some sense in like a kind of cage yeah um the, one can think of this sort of fetishistic disavowal here as a kind of way of managing the anxiety of the thing that's fascinating so you would link fetishistic disavowal to masculine sexuality as lacan describes it yeah, I yeah. Would, actually yeah i would very much yeah yeah it's fascinating how the problematic like that <coughs> that way of reading i mean i think it i think it would be worth a whole kind of study to read the way in which the problematic of Das Ding haunts Lacan's own development after Seminar 7. And then and it not only haunts it, but actually is inserted in these places without being named, like Seminar yeah. 20, like yeah. the formulas of sexuation, like yeah. the, the four discourses. I think there's a way you could do it there, too. And I think <laughs> that would... Yeah, which yeah. is a lovely, uh, lovely way to put it because I'm, I'm more and more convinced, or I find myself anyway, thinking increasingly that not only does the problematic of dusting haunt Lacan's uh, whole uh, uh, discourse after its appearance in Seminar 7 and then its disappearance, it, it haunts the rest of it, but I also think of, of this is a really wonderful way to talk about dusting in its psychic uh, presence slash absence it we're, we're haunted this is the dimension of haunting so it haunts him just like it haunts it haunt, haunts his thought just like it haunts us yes exactly yeah i think that's um, right i think the subject right. is haunted yeah yeah and and, and 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 it's and i think it's right to say that the relationship to das Ding is the basis for both religion at least christianity and ethics right i think that's the that's yeah. the takeaway yeah all right, Ryan. You gonna do you I, have anything to add, or you're just gonna you're 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 well, set. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Well, I have the two two things to to add is yeah. that my landlord never tells me when he's doing work around this house. <laughs> <laughs> always happens when we're doing this. So I'm undecided if I'm gonna leave these interruptions in the in the podcast, like yeah. if it's too much of a peek behind the curtain, yeah. or if it's like a little or or if it's instructive of the real. I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah. But the other the other thing that I have to add is that I refuse to add something. Oh you refuse <laughs> to add something. <laughs> well we write the refusal, Ryan. So yeah. we'll just end in our usual way, over and out. That's over and out. Thanks, Todd. Okay. <laughs>